0: And then the red button.
1: Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively?
0: It'll be up to you, and you too. Oh, hello. (laughs) Hi, Todd. How are you? Good. How are you, Mark? I was thinking about that uh, theme song again this week and how it's (laughs) about six times longer than it needs to be, but I never want to cut it down. And I always forget to mention that is from Keelan King, um, that music bed that we use. Um, But we have a special guest with us. He is a Portland broadcaster.
2: I barely knew her. Thank you.
0: And author.
2: (laughs) I barely knew her.
0: It is Rick Emerson. Rick Emerson, welcome to our show. hello. Hi, Rick. It is good to have you on after all these years that I've mentioned that I should have you on the show.
2: Hey, here's a question. So you guys do that... um... Oh hello, I didn't see you come in. Yeah. Is that from is that from uh, that Hugh Hefner show, Playboy's Penthouse, that uh, they did in the 60s?
0: It probably is. It probably roots from there. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I not I had no idea that's how they did that, but it is a parody of all this. Well, and I had that um a YouTube channel where I find all the all right. these things, and all of them are the oh hi, right. like, like I didn't know the camera was here type thing. Yeah,
2: so there's so so Hugh Hefner did this show, I think it was originally called uh, Playboy's Penthouse. Uh, because the the, the the conceit was that it took place at the top floor of this skyscraper in Chicago okay, or whatever. Sure. And then I think they changed it to Playboy After Dark. But it was always like a, UR, it was like a POV show from the 60s where the camera would go in and it was like, you know, it was like a party at Heff's place. And he's like, Sammy Davis Jr. is there and Lenny Bruce is there and, you know, whoever's there and Angie Dickinson and whatever. And it always, you know, and of course, there's Heff and he's like in his tuxedo or whatever. And it always started with the camera going into the elevator and then it would go up this row of buttons and it was like first floor, second floor, third floor. And then the top button was like the bunny logo. And somebody would press the bunny button and it would go all the way to the top and the elevator door would open and it would open like into Heff's living room. <laughs> and then the camera would come out and you know, you would see and it would be like Milton Berle would be in the middle of a joke or something. And then everybody would laugh. And then Heffner would like turn to the camera and go, oh, hello, I didn't see you come in.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so <laughs> funny because that is what I use for my YouTube channel awesome. <laughs> merch <laughs> which to know that is loosely based on Hugh Hefner makes it all the just, all the better all the more more ridiculous. Ridiculous.
2: It's a natural of course.
0: Oh, it's very on brand yeah. on brand for me. Um, but the reason we have you here is to discuss the movie Moonfall. <laughs> Cause it's, Has anyone Mark, did you I see love, Moonfall? I did see that movie Do you know of what Do you Have know you, what Moonfall is?
2: Wait, is Moonfall that movie? It's like from the late 80s? Nope. No, it's oh, a brand, okay. new brand new movie
0: from 2022 by Roland Emmerich the Oh, guy who so did, then not from the late 80s okay, Not from yeah. the late 80s And it is just what it sounds It is the moon falling onto Earth And I don't want to ruin anything about this movie It is the most preposterous movie <laughs> piece of entertainment that I'm supposed to be taking seriously. I think I've ever seen. And I don't know if I've laughed harder It's ridiculous. in a movie there. Well, what was my favorite line was, um,
2: the moon falls onto the earth. earth. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. the moon so, is not at what it, it seems. It's degrading. The, the orbit is seven, degrading, and or, and then, or
3: degrading. So, so in the next 27 hours, we have to solve this.
2: I see. Okay, so it's... it's a, so and it's, it messes with a,
0: gravity. People use gravity to like jump extra high over <laughs> things and then like there's it...
3: And when the moon comes closer I, to I your see. part, then it's okay. drawing you away. A, I need batide. to find that call. It's a, yeah. moon. So it's like oh, a Moonageddon um, sort of a thing? It, it, absolutely, yeah. Like San
0: Andreas Moon is... Just,
3: Again, I
2: mean everybody's horoscopes are just screwed, probably because it's like
0: <laughs> I can't find the quote now, but it was something like, "We've scanned your conscious, you are now part of the moon."
2: Well, sure, it's amazing. We're all part of the moon. <laughs> anyway. So yes, high yeah,
0: so- recommend for Moonfall, which Moonfall, which is the it is beyond preposterous, and it has somebody pointed out because it's by the guy that did independence day in 2012 like the guy that just destroys every the day after tomorrow like all of those movies it's
2: got Halle Berry in it
0: yes uh the acting the acting was pretty good for what they had to say so is this
2: Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin no just
0: just Roland Emmerich although Dean Devlin just did Geostorm like four or five
2: years ago I'm so out of the loop I have no idea and
0: that one is like all the storms have gone wild and like all of earth is being destroyed. Those two guys have just got it out for seeing the earth destroyed in, in various there ways. It's
2: like a weird masochistic tendency right. among humans. But, and I think especially Americans to like Manhattan's the greatest city in the history of the world. Let's destroy it yeah, on camera. Yeah.
0: But they they take on the whole world and use
2: one of their movies. Moon-ageddon. Moon again. <laughs> moon. Moonfall. Hey, here's a question. Uh, does the moon have another name? no or is it just the moon i mean that's weird how can the, all the moons yeah. have the same so, name because other right. moons like planets like mars has like deimos and phobos our moon is just moon yes
3: but, and so like in uh expanse in the series expanse they've renamed it to luna uh <laughs> in and what
2: series Expanse? what are we talking about
3: the, the series is called expanse oh I, okay is it like a like a scientific series or like yeah. a
2: television series
3: uh, it is a television series. Okay. All and right. okay. So the the whole thing is like we're a hundred years in the future now, okay. and there's people that live uh, on the asteroid belt, and they're miners, and they sure. they're kind of the rough and tumble folks. And then there's uh, moon people, and that's everybody who lives on. <laughs> We've scanned <Luna>. your consciousness.
0: <laughs> you are now a part of the moon
3: on Luna, and then uh, Earth you know, people on Earth and then Mars. And so it's kind of those four but, groups okay. of So
2: it's still just called the moon, but in Spanish. <laughs> does there, <laughs> totally, totally. Does our okay. sun
0: have another name, though?
2: Well, I was thinking, about oh, this is where that's all We just... So it soul, is... That, well, see, but that again, soul is just <laughs> sun in Spanish. So, like, the, the hell is that? So I, I would... Well, that is... So that is how this chain of thought came to be the other day. Because yep. the other day, somebody asked me the weirdest question. I know I've totally derailed the show. I'm sorry. No, no. Somebody that's, asked me the weirdest question the other day. She was like... She was like, well, where... Did, like, does everybody... Because I was talking about this thing that always vexes me, which is that countries, like, I don't know why different countries, like, countries have different names. Like, why do we come up with different names for countries? Like, we're Deutschland. Well, that's good. We're going to come up with our own (laughs) Uh, name. It's like, well, no, we've got a name. We're Deutschland. like, like, It would make sense.
0: It's like, okay, we can't quite pronounce it, so we just get it close, but a little different. But But like,
2: like... España, you know. Right. It's like, we're Hispania. It's like, well, we'll come up with our own. No, no, no. We've got, we've we've, got it's one. written down. It's, <laughs> on, it's written, no, it's on paper and everything. Hispania. Like, eh, great Hispanic. We'll. You heard,
3: you heard that Turkey changed its name this week.
2: Well, just here or everywhere?
3: Uh, to the United Nations. They petitioned the United Nations okay. and they have changed. It is now Turquia. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, th- I legit 100%. thought this was like a. No, no. no, no. no, no. <laughs> They're no
0: longer hungry or no, whatever. No, no, no. <laughs> well,
3: so does like
2: Turkey. Well, up and until so, now.
3: So they wanted to differentiate themselves from the bird. Uh, but so I, now they are Turkeya.
2: Okay. So, well, that's especially weird though. So that means that like before this change, so they called themselves Turkey <laughs> and we called them Turkey.
3: I, I think in the Turkish language, is it called Turkey? Turkeya.
2: Turkia. Okay. So. So but that's, that's like, close. That's okay. So we're yeah. close though with that. But like Germany and Deutschland,
3: De- the hell! Yeah, I know. I'm with you. And, and then
0: why name the bird that? <laughs> it
3: doesn't make any
2: sense. And so, ironically, it was named after Turkey. <laughs> I mean, it would just it's like it makes no. I've never understood. And is yeah. that just America that does that? Probably. Like, like does do all the countries have their own name for Germany, or is they, it just us? They do. Yeah. yeah. So like in
3: Italian, uh, like, they're yeah they Germania is you know and, and so. Mm. It's different words in different languages it's, for the. Same well, and I guess we're the Estados
0: States. Unidos, but that's just Spanish right. for United States, at least.
2: Yeah. I, I, I mean, it just seems weird. Like it seems like extra work that we don't need to do. It makes
0: more sense for the moon and the sun because, like, we those were the only two we saw, and then like we get out to a color, <laughs> pl- a couple other planets, and like, oh, they have moons. Well, I we mean, can't call them
2: moons anymore. I think it makes sense. I mean, in a weird way, I think it makes sense for their for like you know, Spain or Mexico or whatever to, to have, what is is it, uh, what is it? Is it, I always forget if you reverse it, is it United? What is it? Estatus Unitas. Estatus Unitas. Yeah. Because those are two extant words that we've used to create the name of the nation. Whereas Germany just is Germany that like, it wasn't, it wasn't like the name of something else. I don't think it's like that's. So it seems like they've got it done, solved boxes, checked, the country (laughs) is named and we're like, "Eh, well, we'll do it again over here and come up with a different (laughs) answer. And that'll be what we use so this all came about because somebody asked me the strangest question. We were talking about this country name thing. And she's like, well, does everybody call it Earth? And I was like, no. I don't know. Like in Turkey or Spain right. or Greece or whatever, do they call it right. Earth? Or do they have like some well, other... I know
0: like in Spanish, the world is El Mundo, but that's... But is that I like mean, a we figurative, have a different, the world? That's, that's probably, yeah. Not like the Across the
2: world, yeah. So is everybody, does everybody call the, this planet Earth? And like, what language does Earth—the word Earth—derive from? The human language. I, time, the language I was, of love. I honestly had no. It was like I'd, yeah, never, I'd never pondered of that, that before. before and then that got that me into the whole be. thing of like, why do we just call it Moon? You know. And it was just like, anyway. Then I just we couldn't were just sleep starting to hours. name
0: things. We didn't think we'd run out. <laughs> run out of words. How many of these stuff? could
2: we possibly find? Come on i don't see any other suns do you well and also mars just gets to have awesome you know like the you know like the gods of of fear and death or whatever you know like are yeah. pulling his chariot right. and we're just like moon moon
3: right is <laughs> it so like in in italian earth is terra or la terra which is ground. Like ground yeah and so it's like the earth that you would find in your yard right uh they use that same word, but like what Earth. in
0: in the it, in the Italian version <clears throat> of my very excellent mother just sat under new pines. The the Mars Venus Earth. Do they get to Earth too? I think is that what we're saying? Like I have no what idea do what they we're talking cu- about when, we're, right when they're talking about. <laughs> that's how I remember the solar system. My very excellent mother oh, just sat okay. under new pines. Oh, sorry.
2: So I was in their thinking. version it was like a of the TV show, I hadn't seen. Or
0: <laughs> do when they get to Earth on their solar system map, does it say Earth or does it say Terra? Terra. or does it say? Okay, yeah. so their solar system map says
2: Terra. Terra. Okay. They, Terra. Well, but are, are all the other planets differently named, or do they, are, like, are yeah, they like? So Mercury like, is Mercury.
3: M- Mercury is Mercuria uh, or something. Mercurio. <laughs> okay.
2: All right. I've well, been to that store. <laughs> Can't we just agree that like? Somebody's name is just their name everywhere. Oh, yeah, well, this is like a weird voltage conversion thing, you know, or <laughs> whatever. Like I it's just like the not.
0: English plug. There are just two holes. Yeah, for it's some like well, what's your
2: name, Todd? But well, your name is Todd everywhere. <laughs> Done, <laughs> solved. It's just, like it's
0: in Spanish class. I was Diego
2: because in... there isn't a spanish equivalent
0: for todd but see and...
2: that's stupid the, <laughs> the spanish equivalent for todd is todd
0: right <laughs> L, done El uh, todd it's yeah. not
2: like it's not like none of those letters can be pronounced in spanish it's not like it's not like your name is like like william williams <laughs> or bruce willis or something where you're like bruce wheelie yeah you know and it's like there's it's no backwards r in it or, yeah. something. or it's like uh you know it's like uh i knew somebody whose name was um uh robin and there was uh her spanish friends had great difficulty Pronouncing, so they were just okay. like, uh, what's your middle name? And like, that was her, yeah, name, yeah, something yeah. else. And like, that became her name, yeah. right?
0: But Todd, you know, Todd,
2: everyone, everyone can say Todd,
3: yeah, uh, yeah. In Mandarin, it was, you know, Ma Ku okay. was my name, yeah,
0: <laughs> like uh, you can't do Mark, which is a know? sound effect in martial yeah. arts, films, I think.
2: I think R is sometimes, you Very know, hard like for a for yeah. tricky yeah. thing, yeah, but I feel like, I feel like a T and a D, those are like hard, Continents, sort of terminal yeah. sounds that are easily pronounced, yeah. You know, in other
0: words, I, I have the world's most basic name. Yeah,
2: this is like being a, like an American bias, but it seems like those are pretty. You know, like a like a T O D. That's a pretty basic phonetic sound. Yeah. Alone.
0: Although when I went to, I feel like when I went to East Africa, they had trouble saying Todd, but I forget what they and they ended up calling me something else because it was weird for them. And I was and I think I had that same thought. It's like how hard can that be? It's a T and a D. <laughs> Apparently, it's very difficult. Yeah. All right. Huh. Anyway, well, before we start the news, I have one other bit of news. Which, if you had to guess, either of you, which Hall of Fame I would most, I would least, <laughs> be least likely to be affiliated with? Rock and with. roll. Okay, Mark. Um, golfing. Okay, the Baseball Hall of Fame.
3: Okay,
2: I stand corrected.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My name was shown in a presentation what? made at the Baseball was it your Hall name of name Fame, or was it the Afrikaans <laughs> version of it? <your> <laughs> Yeah, Uh, our friend Melissa Booker, who I believe you believe it works for doing something with the uh, with the National Baseball League and um, stats and graphs and like all that some sort of research position that she's in. And she's always giving these presentations about baseball history and stuff like that. And so I was in the ending slide credit as a thank you for because. I, I was supportive of her. Word. She had
2: Honus Wagner questions and you <laughs> yeah. like stepped up with the info.
0: <laughs> so yeah, she emailed or she texted me, me that. And I was like, that is unlikely. And so I <laughs> okay. told my dad. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, Did you my hitch name up your trousers while you the, did it? That's ah, right. The
2: baseball hall uh, of fame. Thank <laughs> me.
0: she went on a piece of grass. So yes, I thought that was very great. And congratulations. It was a, a, a presentation on Snoopy of all things, Snoopy. America's favorite baseball, something or other.
2: There's a lot of weird overlap in these things. But. There really is, but
0: yes, right. it was it was very exciting news. Well,
2: it's exciting. Well, now there will be proof that you lived.
0: That's right.
2: <laughs> Future historians, but we think he was a baseball expert.
0: <laughs> he, he appeared like a god on the screen. Possibly, he founded the sport. We're not sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some news. Oil executives cash out. While gas prices go up in the last three months, four senior executive or four senior executives, including the chief financial officer and general counsel at FPB Energy, have collectively dumped more than $9 million worth of stock, none of whom had previously sold their portion of the oil ca- uh, company's share except to satisfy taxes. PBF stock has skyrocketed 145% so far this year, riding a broader industry uptick fueled in part by surging demand, inflation, and the war in Ukraine over at Chevron the vice president sold more than 56 million dollars in stock four times what he sold last year um that Chevron's net income was 6.3 billion dollars
2: this last year it's almost like they need money to escape the public uprising that is certainly coming your way it has to right (laughs) I uh trying to be I'm sorry I don't mean to be (laughs)
3: Nope. No, no, no. <laughs> like, well, a, I'm trying
2: it. not to swear relentlessly. Uh, that's so quite fine. I I don't know if this show is you know
0: it is it is appropriate for you to feel where where you're
3: at.
2: I, I don't wish to bring filth to programs that don't traffic in that kind of content. Normally, Todd's, I never,
3: Todd's mom occasionally listens, and we apologize to her, and uh, and
2: that's usually about it. I should probably learn to express or, yeah. myself without just. Like, that's right. You're gonna you
0: have to practice now. Yeah, that that uh, you're gonna do, be doing a media.
2: No, it's just like the, the Chevron thing. I, so The other day, I try to never, ever, ever, like I never complain about gas prices ever. Yeah, me either. Because it's like, what's the point? It's not like an optional purchase. Right. It's right. like it's certain things that, you know, that I'll, I'll like fetch about the, you know, I can't believe I had to pay whatever for something. But gas, I don't ever do that because it's like, doesn't, you know, if somebody's, I'm going to go get gas. Like, well, how much is it? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm still getting it. Like, it's like, what is my option? I have no alternative. <laughs> so, so this is like the last couple of weeks have been, I think, the first time in my adult life where I've been like, and I had to page it because I went downtown. It's that thing where it's like I pushed it like I was like you, you have yeah. two miles until empty, and I was like, Gah. and then every place else is like bad enough. Every place else is like five thirty-five or something, and then goddamn Chevron. Chevron is it's like a- six dollars. Which again, crazy. I know that's only seventy-five cents difference, but it was yeah. like, come on, can we all at least gouge equally? Yeah. Why do you have to just I like have, run I've up totally the store? I totally
0: noticed that all the chevrons, all are the at chevrons. Least 10 per, 10 yeah. cents higher, and it was
2: only Chevron. Yeah. So it was like even in even in like the crazy sort of exploded pricing of now, they were like way like I mean that's like whatever that's it's like eighteen percent higher than everybody else, which just seemed crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, they only made <laughs> they only made six point three billion last year, so they had to. <laughs> Yeah. Can I just
2: say also that not like I'm a geopolitical expert or whatever, uh, but can we just now once and for all just stop? I cannot tell you how many times since like certainly since I was in high school and I think even before that probably. But for like the last 30 years, every time the U.S. engages in some overseas adventure, there's always just some pack of idiots that just starts bleeding about like... I'm tired of us starting wars to get cheap oil. Yeah. Clearly that's not why we're doing it. And if <laughs> exactly. we are, we are it's not working. It's not. Yes. never that. We're doing that incorrectly. If that's the point <laughs> is for us to get cheap oil, obviously we're screwing it up somehow. So I think we can put this to bed once and for all that our wars are to get that's oil and as, cheaply. And as
0: much as I'd like to blame everything on presidents that I don't like people that complain that, the president is like making the gas prices higher. I'm like, what, (laughs) on what planet is he like going out to like getting one of those long sticks with a suction cup on the end and like putting up the little (laughs) things again, I guess I'll raise it. That'll show everyone.
2: I, yeah, I just, Like if you
0: can, if you were the president that can control the gas prices, you would make them be super cheap all the time because then everyone would love you.
2: Well, because I think actually of all people, uh, it's always feels strange to compliment Richard Nixon about anything, but I think actually of all people, I think Nixon froze gas prices at one point i could be wrong about this because he did wage and price controls at one point in the 70s despite like his advisors telling him it was a bad idea and and whatever i mean you know and then of course that all went to hell again you know later and i mean we are in a weird way i mean i know we'll get to the sort of this book that i just wrote later but um
0: repeating the 70s well
2: that's the thing is i try not to be
0: because i read the first couple i was like yeah. yeah and you were describing the 70s i'm
2: like oh you should see the stuff i took out actually there's (laughs) in fact in the well so for length not to get ahead of ourselves but in this in the there's a section in the book because you know you you know you have to get down to a certain word count and page count and you know you start by taking out chapters and then paragraphs and then you're like literally like trimming individual words and whatever and and there was actually like a sentence or a paragraph in there because at one point i'm talking about the social upheaval of the 1970s and there's this historian rick perlstein who like really guards against saying you know the history repeats itself he's like eh, he's like we think that and it really is you know he's not really it's not really a pendulum he's like we tend to notice things that are the same he's like there are sometimes patterns but not always and blah 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 but it really does I was like going through this when I was writing this book it's like all of this stuff that seems like in a broad sense that like we, we are repeating a lot of the social people of the 70s but there was like one of the last things I cut out was a paragraph about the gasoline shortage in like 78 79 because it was like right as there was, we're having this having this face off with what was then the Soviet Union, and et cetera. And you know, this wildly unpopular, corrupt president who was driven out of office <laughs> and then replaced with this, well-meaning if if somewhat
0: grandfatherly,
2: in, yeah, if, if somewhat sweater-wearing, seemingly um, ineffectual president who was maybe a little. Uh, you know, meant well, but was a little maybe too gentle for the job and, you know, uh, yes. did not seem to have the the requisite yep. level of aggression to push things through, et cetera. Uh, but, then it, but then it's like uh, talking about, you know, and then like overseas, you know, countries are sort of like taking, you know, just like eating Detroit's lunch because like all the American cars are crap. Yeah. But then I say like, doesn't matter because like nobody could afford to fuel those cars anyway because everybody would just go sit and they would like literally be parking overnight at gas stations hoping to be there so they could buy the gas which was incredibly expensive and yet scarce yeah and like i remember my dad buying a locking gas cap when i was like like six yeah and i didn't realize at the time like i was like what's that for and he's like oh just stop siphoning and i was like what's that about and i didn't realize it It was like literally dudes are like going in the middle of the night like stealing gas from other cars and that was like which i do believe i cannot swear to this but i am fairly sure that i actually was with my dad when he himself like stole gas from a car at one point. Wow. I can't say it for sure that that's true. Right. But I do my in my memory I do kind of think that there was this point when I was like a kid where we were out somewhere and and he was like let me know if any cars are coming. And he was like <laughs> Good, kneeling down behind this other car and he was like <sighs> like stealing gas <laughs> through a, you know like a garden hose or something. Yeah.
3: So it's happening in Portland now really? again. And so there's a <laughs> Uh, chain of apartments that have put up signs of armed oh, yeah. tenants, uh, steal gas, get shot, and so they've they've blocked down the parking lots and and everything because people are are stealing gas again.
2: Well, and they're not only stealing. I mean, so yeah. Well, I mean, uh, so so that is so that has come back in a weird way. And then apparently they're also stealing catalytic converters. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which is you know like yeah. a thing that I
0: mean they stole Brian's right, our friend Brian. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, it's yeah. almost. It's almost impressive in a way that like that would never have occurred to me, but somebody somewhere figured it out yeah. and then like spread the word. And it's like, now, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, if you drop, like, there's an easy way to tell if you've dropped something on the floor, you just wait and like the ants will show up. And so it's like, if you want to know <laughs> yeah, where they, like the cracks in your system are, just wait. Cause you know, like your neighborhood thieves will let yeah, you know exactly. will
0: scurry out of the darkness and tell you what things are worth. And here's your
2: weak point. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the catalytic converter nice well let's move on to some dogs that can cont- detect dogs that detect COVID with high accuracy a study in the journal PLOS one P-L-O-S PLOS one show that dogs tested in research ac- accurately good grief Accurately identified 97% of positive cases after sniffing human sweat samples that made them more sensitive than some rapid antigen tests. The researchers found the dogs to be especially good at detecting asymptomatic infections with a sensitivity nearing 100%, which might be useful for detected COVID. Easy, cowboy. she's Louise. <laughs> detecting COVID in places like airports, uh, nursing home, schools, and sporting events, but... Dr. Cynthia Otto, frowny face, director of the Penn Vet Working Dog Center at the University of Pennsylvania, said it's difficult to train dogs to detect COVID in the real world. The idea is that the dog is just standing there. A person walks by and they say, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, she says, but making sure it's done with all the proper controls and quality assurances and safety. I haven't seen anyone who has proposed how to make the transition in a way that's scientific and safe.
3: So I've heard that it takes about six months to train these dogs uh, to do this, but they are able to get the same accuracy with ants. Ants are detecting really speaking COVID of. now. Now <laughs> They just
0: they start surrounding this person. What is like, I so wake it. up and I'm covered there in ants? ants so you, you've
3: got COVID. Uh, <laughs> but they're able to train the ants in 30 minutes uh, to do the same test that a dog can do in six months. You can train um, ants? Uh, <laughs> Oh, you're seeing a bigger story than that. They can detect COVID? not
0: to detect COVID just to, training them in general
3: to detect COVID. Oh, oh, yeah. wow. So they, they somehow, what else can they do?
0: <laughs> what, what else are not, they keeping from us? Yeah,
3: totally. Wow. Um, not enough. And, uh, that's yeah. crazy. But I
2: mean, ants only live for like a week. So it seems like that's a wash <laughs> six months for a dog that'll live 15 years or you can train this ant an hour, but it's going to be dead. Like they later to, today.
0: they have to put you in, in this jelly that <laughs> the ants just have to crawl their way through. Well, it's like they, those ant farms. And
2: like, can you just train one ant to teach the others? I, or? Yeah, maybe it, it's
0: generational. They bring you out <laughs> to that little pile of dead ant bodies that they have over in the corner of
2: their... I mean... Uh, I, that's uh, wild. Well, and the question is then, it's like, well, what else can they do that we don't know about? Right. Because the thing about like, it's like whenever... Like, so the guy... I think I've, I've probably told this story before. The guy who lived used to live across the street from me, he had this greyhound, like a service animal. It was like a greyhound. Um, and the dog could... So he was diabetic and the dog was trained to, if he was on the couch and not moving for however long, the dog would like nudge him. And if like, if the dog nudged him like three times, this guy Charles, if he didn't sort of like wake up or whatever, the dog could go call 911. And, And I was like, well that, I mean, it's amazing, but it's also like, obviously the dog has been able to do that like always and we just discovered it. So yeah. it's like, well, what else are they, you know, they're like, I could do the dishes if you just ask. <laughs> like, if like, I, there's gotta be all these other things that dogs can do, and we're the dumb ones because it's never occurred to us to like have them do him. it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like a, it's I like a drive just.
0: Drive this car for you, you know.
2: Totally, it's like a keyboard command. And we're like, I didn't know you could do that. Control, <laughs> you know, end or whatever. And it's like, I had no idea that, so, I mean, dogs can obviously do, you know, all kinds of, plus like, do you suppose that people, you know, there's always the thing about like, Cats in nursing homes that, like, you know, they knew Gladys was the next to die. Yeah. Do you suppose people in nursing homes ever, like, George is asleep? Let's go put the cat on him. <laughs> and then it's like George wakes up and he's like, oh, you know, no. it's just, yeah, I mean, I would totally, I would do that all the time. Anytime totally somebody just- napped, like took a nap, I would just be like, let's put all the cats on his bed right now and then just wake him up.
0: <laughs> Those therapy horses that they <laughs> trot through there, he's <laughs> just looking at you through the. <laughs> Yeah, I would just
2: yeah, I mean I I mean this is probably why they don't hire me at places like that. But I that's the first thing I would do on my first day and last day. <laughs> I yes, would do that.
0: The same day, yes. So uh-huh. a
3: solar powered desalinization device wins MIT's one hundred thousand one hundred thousand dollar competition. It's a device capable of producing enough drinking water for ten people at half the cost and one-tenth the power of other water desalinization devices, roughly the size and weight of a case of bottled water, and is powered by a small solar panel. The traditional approach for water desalinization relies on power-intensive process called reverse osmosis. In contrast, Nona uses technology that removes salt and bacteria from seawater using an electrical current.
0: And uh, Yeah, this, the second place one doesn't have anything to do with that, but I I thought it was worth at least a skim reading through. The second place $25,000 prize went to Inclusive.le, a company helping people and organizations create a more inclusive environment. They use a conversational artificial intelligence and natural, lang- natural language processing to detect words and phrases that contain bias and can measure the level of bias or inconsistency in- inclusivity in communication um the algorithm can detect discrimination microaggression and condescension and the founders say it analyzes language in a more nuanced ways in places like grammarly so i thought that was a wonderful look so into this was a dystopian a, future a tech
3: competition not a desalinization competition they're not using natural language to like scare away the salt. <laughs> <or anything. It's laughs> <Yeah. like laughs> to, to shame <laughs> the salt into going back <laughs> the into the ocean canceled and <laughs> And is no longer part of the, uh, the process.
2: I uh, The thing about desalinization is just, here's the thing that I, this doesn't, I never understand this. Because there's always like the, you know, like in California, I feel like there's always a drought in California. Yep. Yep. I feel like there has <laughs> been my entire life. hundred yeah. I remember going there when I was like nine or something and I went into an IHOP. And I was just like, and it was like weird that they wouldn't bring me, water, or they didn't bring me water that I had to ask for. It. Yeah, and like, yeah, I think yeah. my uncle was like, oh, he's like, well, there's a drought. And so, you know, we try not to waste water and like if people like painting their lawns green, you know, whatever, which, so, but the thing I don't understand is like every tech company in the world is in California. The ocean's right there. Yeah. Like how hard could it be for the government to just be like, Google, you want tax breaks. See all that water over there, get rid of the salt. Yeah.
0: It kind of surprises me that we haven't gotten farther with that. I mean, I guess it's complicated. It's but. not
2: complicated. I mean, well, in other words, I, I mean, I couldn't do it, but it's like, it's, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was just going to say like, there's, I mean, look, there's, 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 there's four variables to things like this. There's, um, you know, there's simple, complicated, hard and easy. Okay. So like tying your shoes is simple, but it's complicated. You know, sure. lifting a rock is simple and hard, right? So there are things that are complicated, but they're simple to do, you know, and there's things that are easy to do, but they're complicated and you right. know, whatever. So yeah. it seems like this is a thing that we figured out. In other words, it might be hard, but it's not complicated or something. I mean, now I, now I don't even know where <laughs> right. I am in this equation, but it's like, but they've, but like, people been know doing do it, it for a long yeah. time. And it's like, also, hello, Google is there yeah. as also Apple, also Facebook, yeah. also, you know, everybody's, it's like, how difficult is it to be like, well, yeah.
0: I mean, considering the amount of change of technology that we've done like in space travel over the last 50 years, like I don't feel like we've really gotten anywhere with desalinization, which you'd think I would be like top the, the top priority it, it of is, the world.
3: It, it absolutely is. There's, and so it
0: must... I mean, clearly it, someone's looking into it. And it must be a little more difficult than I'm making now out. Now that they've but, heard this show... They're oh, like,
3: shit. wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the... <laughs> The,
0: uh, I've been working on this inclusivity robot this If we could whole time. just take
3: the extra heat in the atmosphere and use that for desalination, We need the carbon to eat so, the salt. Right. And and then we would have the solution to global warming and to uh, droughts. That's
0: right.
2: All right. Look into that. No, no, no. I just I just have, feel like to clarify this now because I feel like I screwed it up. Okay. So the example I always use is that, I think if I've got this right, I think it's that tying your shoes... Is easy but complicated lifting a boulder is simple but hard yeah okay. that's yeah, what i meant to say there so all right. yeah that anyway, makes sense but yes i'm with you i feel like they figured this out a long time ago and also it seems like the government has like the biggest hammer in hammerville by just saying yeah. like uh, you know like get if you want to continue to like yeah if you want to continue to like have us roll over every time you want you know you want some piece of legislation killed or, or passed like get yeah. us some water yeah like do it now stop yeah. taking it from oregon well but- and also like i mean if you're like some like if you're Mark Zuckerberg, seems like that guy could use a PR win. So maybe providing water for, you know, for people that are, you know, in a, in a parched farmland, it might right. be a good first start. Right. He's got
3: plenty of water on his planet. <laughs> so Busy
2: then. slaughtering caribou for lunch. Exactly.
3: <laughs> uh, uh, the U S frontier supercomputer named fastest in the world. Housed in the Oak Ridge national laboratory in Tennessee The Frontier supercomputer stands out with two exaflops computing power, which translates to two quintillion calculations per second. The Frontier's accomplishment comes as countries worldwide compete to harness the most advanced computing power as hackers become more sophisticated and threaten national infrastructure. Both the Trump and Biden administrations have allocated significant federal funding to advance quantum computing in American research
0: facilities. There we go. Yeah. We have the world's fastest computer. I think we have the other four in the top five too, but I think I cut that out. Have
2: you ever gone to that website? It's um, I always get the name wrong, but uh, if you Google it, it'll like tell you what it is. It's uh, I think it's like uh, how secure is my I might be getting that wrong, but it's it it's either like that or how safe, or it might be dotnet right. or something. But if you type in how secure is my Oh, I see. You go there and you can just type in, in other words, it doesn't require, it doesn't need your user or anybody that you just type in any password, any any word. And it'll tell you uh the absolute longest it would take an off-the-shelf computer to crack that with like brute Uh, force and it'll amaze you like how fast like almost anything under 12 characters yeah it'd be like you go to the bathroom and you come back and it's like you know just like like your standard dell computer could have already like exploited (laughs) it so um but because i'm assuming that's the only reason we need like quantum computing I mean, honestly, what, I mean, how much faster could like they make a Frappuccino or whatever for me? Like how, like what else do they need? What does a computer need to be able to do a jillion, you know, things a second for? It
3: needs to solve desalinization. (laughs) Obviously, yes. (laughs) There we go.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to start going through these a little faster. Um, One
2: hour. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, at the absolute most, whatever, whatever you just typed in yeah, take an hour to correct that rest secure in oh. that
0: well
3: my apple password 700 years oh, i was nice i
2: think mine literally i put it because the thing about uh, I have to make a whole meal of this but the thing that people that stupid thing that they do with passwords where it's like you have to have an uppercation a lowercase, a symbol and a letter which is completely wrong <laughs> by the way totally inaccurate the only thing that matters with your password is how long it is that's the only thing that matters is, how, is the number of characters that's all that matters so if you just put in like you know uh, you know, just sit right back and you'll hear a tale or right. whatever. That'll take you like five quintillion years to hack. Right. Whereas if you do like uppercase like J and then a lowercase M and then a carrot and then an asterisk and then a backslash or whatever, you could hack that in like right. nine minutes. The poop emoji.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. So,
2: <laughs>
0: uh, well, Portland's first Black Book Festival on the Junete- on Juneteenth weekend will um, be open for the festival's tagline is ready by any means necessary. Uh, the Freedom Festival will include a book swap, bring a book or two, a book drive to collect books for the nonprofits, uh, Portland Books to Prisoners, the Multnomah, com- mult- mult- <laughs> Good grief. County Library's Black Cultural Library Advocates will have booths there where people can sign up for library cards. Um, that is on June 18th. So look for that. And if you are on the coast, there are now free beach wheelchairs and accessibility pass now on Lincoln City. So they put up these rollout pathways called Mobi Mats that are UV and saltwater resistance and made from recycled plastic that they put out on the beach so that you can bring your wheelchair out there. But then they also have um, beach wheelchairs with those huge like the huge wheels on them.
2: I've never seen those. I was about to say like, I was going to be like a smart ass and be like, well, have you tried, ever tried to use a wheelchair on the beach? But clearly that's what this is meant to. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen a they're beach just, wheelchair though. They just
0: have like huge, I don't know. They kind of look like inflatable balloon, but they're just yeah. giant wheels on them so that it can go over the sand. Okay. That's kind of great. So yeah, the beach chairs will be there, but there's also um, Cannon Beach, Seaside, Pacific city and Manzanita beaches also have um, wheelchairs. So them hmm. the portable pathway thing is Lincoln city, but there are, um, beach wheelchairs you have to first come first serve and but they are free charge
2: so. have you ever seen that wheelchair that uh, that can go do up go upstairs yeah it's kind of like
0: it's three like sets a of wheels thing. or yeah.
3: something in, and it kind of rolls the wheels yeah. themselves roll, roll up it's pretty so. awesome yeah.
2: actually it's that's one yeah. of those things where it's like you know it's like we can occasionally you know we can occasionally make actual progress on things that you know don't deaden the soul when we want to yes we don't want to very often but i mean what's that the segway guy doing now can he be inventing something useful
0: i haven't heard of him dean Kamen, is that that guy yes yeah. it's yes. funny how we'll just remember his
2: name the until grief. we die i just i mean I, it's like
0: his his co-founder
2: though
3: didn't he the, the ceo he died on a segway that yeah, can't he, possibly be true. Uh, is Wait, he Is that because of the segue? Or did he just have a heart attack or something? No, no, no he no, rolled he, off a
0: cliff. He rolled off a cliff. <laughs> 100%. Okay,
2: you can't, that can't be real. I'm laughing because you're clearly making <laughs> totally. that up. Mark,
0: I'll take the next story, Mike. You could look that up. Uh, wow. Portland, Portland has lost $1.4 in a cybersecurity breach. They realized that on May 17. They officially learned that, quote, fraudulent financial transactions took place last month. Uh, Preliminary evidence indicates that an unauthorized outside entity gained access to the city of Portland email account to conduct those illegal activity. (laughs) Are you looking at the story? (laughs) Why don't you read that story? It's more interesting. It's
2: like a guy who looks a lot like John Glenn, first of all. (laughs) He's
3: standing in front of a jet, just like, like John Glenn would. Segway company owner rides scooter off cliff, dies. A British businessman who bought the Segway company less than a year ago died after riding one of the scooters off a cliff into a river near his Yorkshire <laughs> estate. <laughs>
2: I mean, that's not like a thing that could sneak up on you, because Segways don't go that fast.
3: This this was 12 years ago. Yeah, but, it's been uh, a while. But,
2: uh, but I mean, like... In other words, like
0: you'd see
3: well, the twist coming as my point. Well, when you lean those things you, you can
2: go twenty Well, like and then you panic.
0: And have you ever ridden one of those segues? No, oh, no they're, I have not. they're fascinating. But like I can see, like when you panic, it like you start freaking out, and then the thing just keeps on going. Although
2: it is that is true, I guess, because I because uh, so, it's on how you lean and how you and humans are. We're kind of bad at preventing our own death sometimes. Because yeah. I so uh, so I have a friend who's learning to drive. I just like never had a license or anything before, and so so. So we're doing this, she has her permit, and we're doing the same. We're driving around and I'm in the passenger seat and trying not to scream and cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's actually doing a great Lament job. Lament
0: the passage of time. Yeah, no,
2: she's I, she's actually like coming along. Like I, there's something to be said, I think, for learning to drive when you're an adult, you know, because it's like, you know, yeah. you've had a lot you've had decades to see like what not to do. Yeah. Um, but we're like going toward there's like a, a guy crossing the road with his dog in a crosswalk and um, you know, and so he's crossing, he's got the dog in front of him and, you know, and she sees him and she's slowing, but she has not yet, she didn't come to a complete stop yet. She yet. was like gradually slowing. And I knew she was going to stop, you know, she knew she was going to stop, but you know, the guy crossing with the dog, obviously we, there, he had this moment of like, oh, is she going to, st- does yeah. she see me? And so he looked up and he gave that look, which is clearly like, does this car see me? Is this car... But his response was to stop and stare at us. It's like the literally like the deer in the headlights thing. And it's like his concern was like we might hit him. And so his reaction was to stop and just look at us as the car gets closer. So maybe that's maybe that's how the Segway guy snuffed it.
3: (laughs) I I like a dozen members of of Heslin's family asked for privacy Monday after placing flowers at the heavily wooded accident site, which is popular with hikers and nature lovers. So yeah. when I see somebody
2: on a Segway, it's sort of like which I've never ridden to be fair, but it's like it's like when you see somebody on in inline skates and you just kind of like I can no longer take you seriously.
3: <laughs> well, Todd and I worked together back in 2000 when you know there was so much hype that this you know it's going to revolutionize started, it cities. everybody's going to be riding Segways in, yeah. in the future and oh, yeah. uh, that it, was going to be it. It they was coming. It. And uh, then there was like a release of the, the, uh, the schematic, uh, you know, from the from the patent office. thing, yeah. and they're like, oh well, it's self-leveling,
0: and, and it'll and, revolutionize like, the way douchebags get to work. To, <laughs> well, I remember
3: like
2: Steve it Jobs? Does. was just like he's like, this will change the way we design American cities. Yeah. Right. And then it came out, it was just like a scooter, and <laughs> it, it was got, just I mean, which. Good for him. I mean, the
0: technology is amazing, but yeah. They didn't
2: really manage expectations very well. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Uh,
0: All right, Mark, take us to Dinolandia.
3: Dinolandia downtown adventure. Mike Bennett has created another joy-filled experience, this time in downtown Portland. Located across from Pioneer Square in the former Banana Republic, Dinolandia features more than 1,000 cutouts, made from reclaimed plywood and recycled paint. Younger children will, will marvel at the bright colors, cheerful dinosaurs, and moving lights. It's an immersive, imaginative experience that will appeal to the wide range of ages.
0: Uh, I, saw, yeah, I saw a couple of my friends uh, took their daughter there, and it looked uh, amazing. Um, yeah. Mike Bennett's stuff is always so, like as they say, joy-filled. Uh, in this article so do check it out it co- looks like it costs five bucks but that helps
2: uh, i'm a big fan space. of that guy. yeah, yeah I'm, he, I'm a huge fan of my kind we network. were going to be best yeah.
0: friends with him when we first met with him but then the pandemic happened and i haven't seen him since in <laughs> real life and now he's like exploded but i do have one little piece of his that i got at the retro gaming convention he hid little uh, pac-man ghosts ah, just around the convention and so he gave one to me and the me and brian when we were there so,
2: uh he like hid uh when he hid like um you know, sort of anthropomorphize like nacho chips. Yeah. Like tortilla yeah, yeah. chips yeah, yeah. around town. So I have two of those. I wanted
0: the, the new place that I just moved into has this really long line of really tall um, hedges. Like those, I don't know what you call them, Arbor Vita or something yep. like that in between that. And like the places next to it. And it's just that it's the Homer Simpson one. And I know he's made that one of Homer Simpson, like going back into the <laughs> hedges. And I was like, Oh, I really, but I know somebody would steal it. <laughs> But yeah, Mike Bennett, public joy creator. Is that his, his like job that. Yeah. Uh, description? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, it disgusts me because that's what I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, after two-year in investigation, ICE uh, it has revealed that ICE has uh, data on most of America, uh, the American public. It was published by the journal Georgetown Law Center on Privacy and Technology. They had a, a wide range of tools to spy on almost any American. A recent invedi- investigation found that the agency had long gone beyond its immigration enforcement mandate. It's been getting around state and local privacy laws to collect huge amounts of data from the American public. So
2: It's almost like we don't learn lessons in
0: this country yes Yes. yeah well the last payphone is being taken away from new york uh and they're replacing with these things called link nyc which are um little booths that offer services such as free phone calls wi-fi and device charging so they took out the last one um in new york and it will be on display at the museum of the city of new york as part of the exhibit looking back at life before the computers in the city so that's kind of a neat idea to replace them with something that is equally useful to the public.
2: How will that not room? be immediately stolen or destroyed?
0: <laughs> well, they're giant kiosks. I'm imagining it's much like a phone booth. How it'll, it's not you're not going to be able to card it up on something and move it away but well, i mean
2: shit. when's the last time you saw a phone booth that wasn't just beat to shit like no, that's true. i mean
3: gum shoved up in the yeah ports and the well,
2: it's like even back when those were a thing people used right. all the time yeah like you you couldn't first of all, like you could never find an intact phone book ever 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 <laughs> ever and then it was that thing of like picking up the phone like even like in the 90s of like with two fingers like Touching as little and then holding it like three <laughs> inches from your face, like, you know, because you just, Clam- like,
0: chlamydia is just jumping off yeah, your, <laughs> no your ear. Like,
2: what's on it or whatever. And it's like the whole, t- you're just like, I don't want to be in here. And so, I mean, you know, I read this thing the other day that said that it was like 18 tier somebody, whoever owns most of the phone booths, they still make something, I mean, unbelievable. It's like a million and a half dollars every year off payphone revenue which is kind of astonishing. That's pretty crazy. I mean, it's just like a passive, you know. Yeah. Because I can't imagine they even spend time fixing those. They're just like, that's just yeah. like, they're just going to let work that until just- until they break. Yeah, just, yeah. Roll, just like roll itself out, you know, and just like however long they keep making money.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, starting on Tuesday, you'll need a timed use permit for the Western Columbia River Gorge. So starting from May 24th through September 5th, timed use permit will be required for cars in the Waterfall Corridor. Between Vista House and Ainsworth State Park. So the Western Columbia Ridge- River Gorge National Scenic Area. That's a mouthful. Also known Includes access to picnic areas, scenic viewports, trails, and many waterfalls, including the iconic Multnomah Falls Viewport. Permits will also be required for the Multnomah Falls exit along I-84. People can get the time use permits online for $2.
0: Well, it says a two dollar transaction fee for a so two dollar transaction. fee I'm guessing fee that's on top, top of, of whatever it, the this article.
2: I don't understand what this means. What it? so to
0: go to, like <clears throat> Multnomah Falls, uh, for example, you'll need and like to visit all the other you'll need to pay things in the gorge, the park, public parks, and stuff like that. Like if I just you want to go, to go see the waterfall, permit. yeah,
3: only if you want to drive there.
2: <laughs> I mean, but I mean, like if I just want to like take the exit hop and, like the train because there's yeah. like a rest station and everything there, so it's like if I want to like pull into the rest station and well, then there's like... no
0: rest area there. It's just a parking lot for uh, Multnomah Falls. So Perm- if I
2: want, so if I wanted to go there and like amble over to see the waterfall, they're going to like charge me for it. Permits will yeah. be
0: required
3: for the Multnomah yeah. Falls exit along I-84. Exit. 31. Well, like to
0: use some of the other parks, they just have a, a little kiosk at the yeah. at the front that you like can par- pay like three a three, pass. three or five bucks for a little yeah. parking pass for the day. Technically, you're supposed to if you go to ape caves and stuff like that, too, in Mm. Washington
2: State, you get a little pass for all the, the forest parks. I mean, I try not to. Okay, I mean, I try not to sound like some, you know, Lou Dobbs, you know, dickhead or whatever, but it's like, what am I paying taxes for? Like, it's I mean, honestly, like it's a park. Isn't that the whole point? Is that like we all contribute to the park? And so therefore, it's just there for anybody who wants to, you know, whatever. That just seems weird. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Maybe they're all all working on the all the money's going towards desalinization
2: I mean, I guess I, I mean it, unless they're like literally just trying to stem the number of people who go there because it's damaging the park somehow. Otherwise, it yeah. just seems like a weird cash grab over a thing that ostensibly <laughs> ought to be free, free to the public. Right? Because you know, I God created it. <laughs> It's not like we and built the. And wa- man
0: monetized it,
2: right? Totally, it's, a, it's not like it's not like Oregon built the waterfall. We have conquered
0: this waterfall, and now we will charge for it.
2: That just that just seems really strange. That would be so, like if uh, I went to take my dog to Creston I would, Park, and they were like, "I'm sorry, you get to pay to like get into the park." Like, I
0: imagine since uh, since those are state parks, maybe, or 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 because there's an amount of tourism that comes to the area. So many people from out of state are using it that are not paying the taxes to upkeep Mm. it. I'm guessing that that's part of it uh, as well. But you gotta gotta make that money.
3: Blame it on Ukraine. Blame it (laughs) (laughs) on Ukraine. Due to the war
0: in Ukraine. Yep. Uh, All right, we're almost there.
3: Almost there. Bridgeport Village plans makeover and new stores. The renovation will feature covered seating areas, a central courtyard area, and new landscaping a performance stage, updated building facades, and about 20 new storefronts. Today, the mall has about 75 stores. The new stores moving in include clothing store Johnny
0: Was. Yeah, It says Johnny Was, and I was like... Johnny Was? Was not was. was. Wasn't that a band in the 80s? Yes, it was. The shade
3: well store
0: parachute home,
3: <laughs> and a kid-focused cooking school called Little Kitchen Academy, among others. <sighs> Yeah. Where is
2: Bridgeport Village?
3: Uh, on your way to Tualatin down uh, I 5. Yeah, Bridgeport. There's- Eight
0: miles south of downtown on, off of I-5, kind okay. of by right. Tualatin. Okay. It, yeah. It's the exit before where Jiggles used to be. Ah, yes.
2: all right. Well, this explains why I have no idea where. <laughs> I try to stay away from Tualatin all, that's, you know. It's a good plan. As soon as I see like a P.F. Chang's or like a Michael's Craft store, yes, I'm in the wrong place. That
0: is where the P.F. Chang's, Chang's is. There is a P.F. Chang's Bridgeport well, yeah. Village. Obviously. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to end on two, on two stories here. One of them I'll read and I'm going to make Rick uh, read the other one. A Fairview, which is by Gresham, is that where that is? Uh, yep. takes a stab at claiming the world's tallest fork. A 37-foot, 2.5-ton fork sculpture was delivered to the future home of Fairway Food Plaza. The massive fork will be a centerpiece of the new city-backed food court pod on the corner of Northeast Halsey and Northeast 223rd. The city of Fairview hopes to have its giant fork certified by the Guinness Book of World Record as the world's tallest, edging out a 35-foot fork sculpture in Missouri. So they, we are two feet taller than the fork in New Zur- out mm-hmm. So which is outside the building that houses the offices for the Food Channel. I mean, that's funny.
2: Can you still get a job at Guinness? I mean, like, what you must be—is there like an office you go there and do people all day just tab- tabulating things? With well, like- they
0: have to fly out there represent Mark. Mark can tell you <laughs> yeah, as the holder of I'm several the holder of
3: several several world records. Yeah, it's 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 a scam business like <laughs> the Better Business Bureau uh, where they just become the authority of something, and so they they will. Like if you wanted to do a world record event, you can pay them to like a, 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 like ten thousand dollars to send a rep from Dublin, Ireland, to here, uh, and uh, they will
2: certify certify
3: in real time. Or you can do it for free by. Proving it and sending it to them. So
2: it's like so it's like the Michelin star rating or something, exactly. where it's like you're basically just paying to put their logo it's on it to be 100. You know, percent. it's yeah. like that. It's like that guy 100%. that was like, you know, like you can name a star after your wife Absolutely. or whatever. You it's just name like, a star it, after Exactly, me? it's the same. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is good for them. That's kind of a good hustle. I must you know? have
0: heard that ad 600 million times over <laughs> that decade of the 2000s.
2: It's weird that the, like the Guinness, like that is a strange sort of self, like, I just say this thing, yeah. I am this thing. And so therefore I become this thing. And yeah. it's like now even, I mean, I'm assuming even today, like kids are just, you know, they know what a Guinness world record is. Yeah. It's just some, some guy or some person somewhere was just like, I'll just say that I'm the authority. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. All
0: right. Uh, the fork arrived via truck from McMinnville where it was Designed and created by custom fabrication shop Solid Form, the stainless steel fork is actually 40 feet tall, but its four tines will be piercing the ground about three feet. The fork started, as many of the best I do, as a joke. The city had requested some sort of large art piece like a clock tower or sculpture to be placed there. Someone on the design team said, let, let me put a fork in it and we'll get back to it later, said Mayor wow. Brian Cooper. And added a literal fork to one of its concept drawings over the coming months. It just rattled around in our head for a while. The fork in Fairview. We came up with a whole marketing scheme and it just made sense. The fork itself cost about $220,000 for design and
2: fabrication. So yeah. Whatever you do, don't try to set a world record for like health care or education. <laughs>
3: World's <laughs> best free healthcare. Yes. <laughs> you know, most children pulled out of poverty. No,
0: no, no. no. That's, nope. that's not yes. interesting. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have Rick finish us with the, the water squeeing, water squeeing, water cool. skiing squirrel wrap up story. Um, and this... Is just short, but I found it funny because the headline, which I I cut down, was the same as the article, which was the same as the caption in the picture, and I just thought it a little
2: delightful story. So. Excellent. All right, so I'm have to lean closer because I'm I'm blind here. Uh, all right, so the headline of the story is students ride horses to school. <laughs> Dateline, Missoula, Montana, courtesy of uh, K E C I. A high school principal was required to take care of students' horses due to an old law. This is really just like Dick and Jane level <laughs> writing here.
0: Uh-huh. And it was all repeated three times in the exact same way. The
2: hell. All right. Uh, sorry. High school principal was requ- was was required to take care of students' horses due to an old law. Next paragraph. On Monday, Principal Raymond DeBryker of Conrad High School, Principal... What? <laughs> This is, okay, either this has been written or edited (laughs) incorrectly. On Monday, Principal Raymond DeBryker of Conrad High School was required to take care of 12, which is written with numerals, even though it ought to be spelled out, uh, of his students' horses. Montana has an old law, so we've already reused a phrase, (laughs) two sentences into this story, that states if a student rides their horse to school, the school principal must take care of the horse throughout the day. Is this what life is like in Montana for everybody? Yeah. <laughs> "Quote: Mister DeBreiker has his work cut out for him today." End quote. The school district posted on Facebook. Oh my word! <laughs> okay, That's delightful. Thank you for reading that. I,
0: I was going to have you hit a post, but I thought maybe you would do. Story actions. is just depressing <laughs> in Student all kinds write. of ways. <sighs> all right. Well, that is the end of that. Well, Rick, we have you on the show for a purpose. And that is because you have written a book coming up that um, is, I've heard you've been talking about it on Fun Employment. You talked to them a little bit about it. And it's about something I used to hear you mention on uh, your old show that I didn't really know anything about. And that is a book called Go Ask Alice, which was a publishing sensation, especially in the uh, 70s and is still uh, still apparently sells very well even up to this day. but it's not just about that. Uh, so you would always talk about that, and I didn't really have a context of what that was. It turns out you've written a whole book about that book and the fallout that has happened because of that book and the, the story behind it. So I guess what we'll start with is what what is the book? What is Go Ask
2: Alice? Uh, okay, so the... So the uh, I should make this distinction at the beginning because the titles are sort of similar. So so the book I've just written, it comes out Tuesday, July 5th, it's called uh, Unmask Alice, just like it sounds. Uh, and you can uh, pre-order that now at your bookstore of choice. Uh, you can go to UnmaskAlice.com.
0: Mine or... will be, be uh, pre-ordered from The Can Be Book Nook. Really? Yes. Excellent. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, RickEmerson.com or UnmaskAlice.com. Um, yeah, so Unmask Alice was a book that came out in 1971, and it really kind of changed American culture in a huge way. So it was purportedly the diary of a teenage addict, this girl who got lured into drug use and then ran away from home and got clean and relapsed, got clean and relapsed, and then died at 17 and left her diary behind, which was then published anonymously as Go ask Alice. Uh, in the book, it just said on the front cover, it said, "Go ask Alice: A Real Diary by Anonymous," and so that was a huge sensation when it came out. Um, it sold uh, five million copies in sixteen languages. It was a it uh, was a, a made for TV movie. Um, uh, it uh, you know really created the modern young adult genre as we know it now. I mean, any uh, when you see young adult books now, they all kind of live in the shadow of Go Ask Alice because it really defined what a young adult novel was. And uh, it just became part of popular culture, and it really cemented uh, American support for the war on drugs, particularly among parents. So then, seven years later, another diary did something sort of similar. This book called Jay's Journal, and Jay's Journal was purportedly the posthumous diary of a teenager who'd gotten into the occult. He'd been lured into witchcraft and black magic, and, um, and that book, in turn, Jay's Journal, triggered this thing that we now call the satanic panic, which was this 15 year kind of literal witch hunt that just spread across the country in the eighties and nineties, just ruining lives left and right. Um, and in and reality, was the
0: satanic panic was like the Satan was everywhere. He was in Dungeons and Dragons and heavy metal music and absolutely. preschools. And like everywhere was this big scandal of Satanism and Geraldo Rivera's show on Satanism. We had an oh, in, yeah. in my Christian junior high, added an occult class because of all of this. And it was so funny because there was a, <laughs> a kid, one kid in our school who was the classic um, metalhead type of the eighties or whatever. And just for our school, that was kind of unusual because we were all goody two shoes type people, but he would always had like, that's how I learned who anthrax was and like all right. these people and all that. And like the only class he ever got an A in was uh, the occult class because like every week you would have to like bring a newspaper article about it or it was, like something in your home. And so he would just bring, here's my Motley Crue record and awesome. here's my, this record. And like, he just aced that class. I felt so good for him. I'm like, finally, it's the class for you. And he's just like bringing his record collection. <laughs> and
2: what,
3: here's it, some
0: back, backward masking. It was, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and, yeah. It really, and it was like a real, it's one of those things that I sort of a bell curve where the satanic panic was, you know, like I said, it, 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 started in the late 70s and then it really it kind of ran out of steam at least on the surface in in the mid 90s but it but it really had a lot of fall oh, and it's still I mean, around
0: it, I mean Dungeons and Dragons is still a thing that like b- lots of people are convinced is an evil thing that like turns you into a
2: Satanist well and so I and I actually do cover that and so I and so I what I will say is that uh so both of these books Go Ask Alice so Go Ask Alice really helped to fuel or cement you know, the, I mean, people were concerned about drugs before, but it really cemented a lot of ideas about drug use, especially among kids. So the idea, for example, of, um, you know, of like LSD spiking, the idea that you were going to drink or eat something and somebody had laced it with LSD. And, and, and also the idea that if you took LSD, you know, that it was going to turn you crazy. You know, if you took LSD, that was just it was just going to wreck right. your mind forever. So a lot of those things were really cemented by the book, Go Ask Alice. Jay's Journal, on the other hand, which comes out seven years later, same format. It's a teenage diary of a, this time it's of a boy, not a girl. And it, uh, it, it really cemented the idea that A, there were these you know, vast networks of underground covens everywhere waiting to lure young people into the occult. And it also, Jay's journal also really almost single handedly created the idea of, of like a cult related teenage suicide. The Mm -hmm. idea of a teenager getting into witchcraft or Satan worship and that it ends with his suicide before Jay's journal. I mean, obviously there, you know, witchcraft is an old concept and suicide obviously is as old as people, but the idea of a cult related teenage suicide that didn't really exist. And then after Jay's journal, was kind of everywhere. And then it, inexorably, it became linked with all these other things with Dungeons and Dragons, and then with sort of these media cousins of Dungeons and Dragons, like heavy metal and horror movies and Stephen King novels and etc. cetera. And all of that became a really real thing. And it's, I mean, having lived through that, that second social panic, if um, it's one of those things, it was kind of when I, as a teenager, it was sort of funny for a while. Cause you're like, these adults, these adults actually believe this stuff. This is, this is hilarious. But it kind of stopped being funny when people started going to jail. And so you had people across the country, uh, you know, who went to jail, some of them receiving life sentences at, at trials that were essentially just satanic show trials where there was no evidence of any kind. Except I mean, one of the most famous is this, you know, these three guys who became known as the West Memphis three, um, who were tried and convicted of this savage triple murder and there was essentially no physical evidence against them whatsoever but there were people testifying that they wore a lot of black clothing and they listened to the wrong kind of music and they literally that they read Stephen King that was part of it. And there were, you know, there was a guy, uh, you know, there was a so called a cult expert with a mail order degree, a, like a literal mail order degree was testifying on the stand about all of these things. And these kids all went to prison. One of them, Damien Eccles, was sent to death row and they spent 20 years in prison. He spent 20 years waiting to be executed before they, their sentences were de facto overturned. There was a case in, a lot of people my age will remember this, a case in Los Angeles um, called the McMartin Preschool Trial. The McMartin Preschool Trial. Yeah, that was trial, a huge part of ours. because yeah. we
0: both grew up in Southern California. And yeah. so that was all, that was one of the first news stories I remember hearing.
2: It's like, even now, it is like off the charts insane. There yeah. was a, like an HBO, like a made for HBO kind of docudrama about it. Like a single mo- single standalone movie that came out about it, like in the late, like, or I guess in the late nineties, it came out and with, uh, um, Henry Thomas from E.T., of all oh, people. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I haven't seen that in a long time, but it gives a pretty good thumbnail of it. If I recall And the, the McMartin preschool trial was... I mean, I go into it in the book to some degree, but it was just essentially based on nothing. Uh, You know, the police at some point ended up, you know, prosecutors ended up charging, uh, you know, dozens of adults with hundreds and hundreds of uh, accounts of ritual and or ritual satanic abuse, including things that were just flat out impossible. You know, the idea that, I mean, the, the kids, They at one point they had kids like talking to cops and, and therapists and eventually, quote, remembering that there were, you know, evil robots and clowns and flying witches. And, you know, they flushed a baby down a toilet into a secret room in the basement and things that under normal circumstances would just be weird or even funny. Like at one point they show a, they showed a kid uh, like this sort of lineup of, you know, photos of, you know, can you name the person that abused you? And the kid picks out Chuck Norris. And it's one of those, you know, and it's sort of, it's one of those things from a distance. You're like, oh, that's hilarious. Except that people end up like being ruined and having their lives yeah. destroyed. And in many cases going to but there are people I talk about in this book that go to prison for decades because of this stuff. And so, so Go Ask Alice helps fuel the war on drugs and a lot of the moral hysteria around drugs. Um, and, uh, Jay's journal helps to fuel the satanic panic and especially the teenage aspect of it. And both of these books, Go Ask Alice and Jay's journal, they both, um, came from the same strange place, which is this giant house with blood red walls on the outskirts of Provo, Utah. And that's a thing that I did not know for the longest time. So growing up, I read Go Ask Alice in high school. And then as I got older, I read Jay's journal And I didn't connect that they came from the same person and much less that each of them had helped to start or fuel this this moral panic and then I found out that both of these diaries came from the same person from the same house and from the same house in this tiny part of this tiny part of Provo, Utah which is in turn often called the fraud capital of America and so Anyway, so when I realized that nobody had kind of told that story or written that book, I was going to say, that's "Is kind that kind of why I started writing?" Is
0: it. that okay? Good, because yeah, that's my question. Is that a widely known? That must not be a widely known thing even between in the publishing industry. Do they? Is that a thing that they know that it's all coming from the same?
2: Uh, do you mean person? at the time or
0: or at all? I guess. Well,
2: so if you go pick up even now, if you go pick up a copy of "So Go Ask Alice" is as you said in the beginning. "Go Ask Alice" continues to be. I mean, it's never been out of print. I mean, so it came out in September of 71. Go Ask Atlas is still in print today. It's been in print for 51 years. Simon & Schuster just put out a 50th anniversary edition of it last year. Um, It sold somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 million copies. It consistently, if you go to like Amazon, for example, Amazon has all these subcategories like, um, you know, like uh, uh, family discussions, drugs or family discussions, facts of life, suicide or whatever. It consistently ranks in the top 10 in a lot of those categories. And it's still actually a real rite of passage with teenagers. That's one of the amazing things about Go Ask Alice is that it, it really resonates with kids even today. I mean, if you go on, I mean, I just sound like an old guy. But if you go on TikTok, which is where all the young people are, I mean, it's, you can go on there and see kids who are in high school right now who are 14, 15, 16, who genuinely, who read Go Ask and genuinely love it. They really connect with it because it's this again, it was positioned as the diary of this girl. She's uh, you know, she's 15 when it starts, she's 17 at the end when she dies. And it's it really is, it's sort of I, at one point I say that it's like this kind of grubby, sort of strip-mall version of the bell jar. But it's actually even more successful. It actually has sold twice what the so bell So as it's does. sold
0: now, is it still sold as anonymous and <clears> as it's I, a real thing? I guess that's ah, what I'm trying that's to figure what was, out is like...
2: Sorry, I totally got to the point. But yeah, no, no, If you yeah. go look at it now, yeah. if you pick up a copy of Go Ask Alice, it says, Go Ask Alice, A Real Diary by Anonymous. And there's no indication anywhere inside, anywhere on the copyright page, on the spine, anywhere of any adult involvement with the book. And um uh, you know, Jay's Journal, uh, when it came out, Jay's Journal did have an editor's credit. That, you know, it was like Jay's Journal by Anonymous, edited by, and it said edited by um Dr. Beatrice Sparks. And so for the longest time, there was you know, for the internet especially, there was no real way to tell that both of these books had been edited by the same person. And so Beatrice Sparks is so Beatrice Sparks is the woman behind uh, Go Ask Alice and Jay's Journal and a half dozen other teenage diaries. She was uh, deeply conservative. Um, she was a Latter Day Saint, a mother of four who lived in Provo, Utah, and by her account, she edited these teenage diaries into book form and then published them with the parents' permission to, um, you know, to to help other children and parents. You know, avoid the same fate as Alice and Jay. That was her story is that, well, you know, I work with a lot of young people. I do a lot of, you know, work in psychology and I work with a lot of kids who are on drugs. And so I want to help other kids avoid these same pitfalls. And so her story was that she met the real Alice at a sort of youth convention, like a Christian youth convention, and that they became friends. And then when Alice died unexpectedly, her parents gave the diaries to Beatrice Sparks and Beatrice Sparks then edited them into book form to be published. And that then because of that, other parents said, oh, I saw that you edited Alice's diary. My son or daughter, you know, had this horrible thing happen to them. They left behind a diary. Could you do for them what you did for Alice? And that's how Jay's journal came out. Uh, And it's just, it is an unbelievable story. And it's it's just, it's sort of, uh, I've never really found the right analogy for this, but it's, you know, the idea that these two different social panics, one over drugs and one over Satanism, and they're decades apart and in different parts of the country from these two books that seemingly don't have anything to do with each other. And it's like, you know, but then finding out that they're connected under the surface, there's this massive sort of root system. And the story, and if all of this sounds weird, I mean, believe me when I tell you that the the full story is much, much weirder because this story um, goes from, you know, it goes from Hollywood, like a very glitzy part of Hollywood, to the behavioral sciences unit at Quantico, the profiling lab at Quantico, wow. literally into the Oval Office, into my hometown, into into Los Angeles. Um, and, and again, it, it's still, you know, and these books are still in print today. You can actually go to, you can go to Powell's right now. And you can not only buy Go Ask Alice and Jay's Journal, they actually sell, I have a copy of this at home, they actually sell them both together in this sort of deluxe slipcase version that you can buy now. But that, but those so, books continue to sell and be popular.
0: So is it a thing where it's like a closely held secret or was there a bombshell at some point where where they were like, wait, it's this lady that wrote, a, that wrote it or do people still... Like I'm trying to get a grasp on the people that are still selling it or like the, the culture around it. Do people tend to know now like the people who publish it or the people who are putting it in their book section of journal or like it, I guess I'm waiting for like where, when was the expose or are you the expose about this thing? Or is it a secret people were trying to keep and, and like, that's what I'm trying to get a grasp on.
2: Well, it's worth noting that so, I mean, this is one of the things that even, even if you go on Amazon today, uh, you know, right now, and I did this periodically when I was working on this book, um, you, know, you go on Amazon today and for either Go Ask Alice or Jay's journal, and there's still, um, there's still a, uh, you know, a pretty broad, that's what I'm looking for, there's still a pretty, there's no real consensus on, from readers and just the general public about whether the books are real or not. Um, you know, so if you look at some versions of the book, they are, so some versions of the book of Go Ask Alice, for example, are flat out labeled autobiography on the side. Um, Jay's, Jay's journal, many of them are, um, the one I have at home, the, my, the, the most, the most recent copy of Jay's journal that I bought, actually got from Powell's, um, is, uh, the book itself and also the price tag, the sticker. They are both, the book itself is labeled nonfiction and the price tag says biography. Um, I will say that if, when you read Jay's journal, which again is this sort of sibling book to go ask Alice, um, you know, there, uh, you know, there is a real teenager at the center of Jay's journal. There is a real, a real life teenager at the center of that. And there are real life, there are real life, there's a real life diary at the core of that. There is, it's, that is, there is an actual authentic, genuine diary at the core of Jay's journal. Okay, Um, And that's part of what makes the story, it's so bizarre is that interesting. it's
0: uh, so is there a consensus or is it is it controversial to say that Go Ask Alice is uh, a fraud or written by someone else or is it like a well it depends on who you ask or it depends on
2: well it does depend on who you ask in other words if you do uh, in other words if you go out and poll, I found this uh, when I was doing the book if you go talk to 100 people 100 adults Especially anybody who's read Go Ask Alice, or who is familiar with it, you will, it'll surprise you like the, the variety of answers you get. Um, it's difficult. And this is so, as I said, this before we started recording, this is actually one of the first times I've kind of talked about this in an interview form. And it's, you know, part of me doesn't want to spoil the yeah. book because it's such a, it's an amazing story. And yeah. it's, I actually say, so in the very beginning of the book, I have this author's note where I just say, you know, um, you know, I'm not going to order you to like, not Google anything as you read, but you know, I say, so in the first author's note, I say, uh, you know, you will probably enjoy the book a lot more if you just wait and Google stuff later, or if you just sort of, read the story and trust me when I say that everything will be explained. Yeah. Everything will be answered. And at the end of the book, I do include this long second author's note, this long afterward yeah, I where that. I lay out kind of, here's how I learned all this stuff. Here's where okay. all the fact, you know, okay. when I say something that seems unbelievable, here's where I got that information. And so, so you're
0: saying all of my questions will be answered <laughs> yes. if I just that's, read the book.
2: I'm glad you said that. Cause that's, that's a thing that I, be, I am really trying to be clear right. because, yeah. because I get, I get, as a reader get really frustrated. So I, I, the, the, the most recent and final book about DB Cooper I ever read least, was this book <laughs> until
0: about, the next one comes out,
2: but no, but I'm not reading anymore. That's the thing. So I just watched uh-huh. my, so actually my sister, the other day, she's like, I'm reading this DB Cooper book called skyjack. And I was like, don't read that book. And she's like, why? And I was like, I read it and it made me angry. And so sure enough, she and her husband finished it. And she's like, that book made us angry. And I was like, well, I, that's why <laughs> that's because I, I read skyjack a couple years ago and I should have known better. But I read Skyjack and I was like, maybe this will be the book that finally answers it. And I get to the end and it's like the book has answered nothing, which I should have known. Right. I should have known that it's like if they had found proof of BB Cooper or Sasquatch or whatever, like you'd know. And it's and so I've read, I mean, I just can't even tell you the number of books or documentaries I've waded through, only to get to the end and to be like, well, he didn't answer anything, or he's just hedging his bets. Yeah. This book is not that. Okay. So when you so this book that I wrote, a mask Alice, when you get to the end, I mean, I do answer everything i do there are answers to these questions the the
0: subtitle does say imposter
2: yeah and and so that's the thing is i mean imposter there are are i barely knew her thank you there are elements of of fraud in this story i will say this i mean the answer i've kind of settled on is that because you know part of me doesn't want to ruin the story the other part doesn't sound i don't want to sound like i'm just sort of you know, teasing you. with No. And I
0: read a good portion of the, um, of it. Yes. A good portion. I read like the first 50, 60 pages, uh, yesterday. And I kind of stopped myself because I'm, I'm going on a car trip later and I want to right. get the audiobook. but it's very, it's very digestible, um, in the way that it's laid out, even though, and it, it seems to contain every avenue of thing I was interested in hearing about, but they just haven't been tied together yet or right. whatever. So it, it, I want to say it bounces around, but that has kind of a negative connotation as, as to be unfocused, which I don't feel like it is, but it's like every, everything. It's like, oh, well now, where is this part going? It's and like, sort of, oh, that's an intro. Like, why are we learning about this person? And-
2: what it does is it sort of, it's sort of, as somebody described it as like tossing a bunch of balls in the air and then you sort of juggle them into one, whatever, But or, you know, it's like putting a lot of puzzle pieces on the table and yeah. then kind of going and bringing them together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just to, but to, to be sure that I answer that question about go ask Alice. Oh yeah to the question of whether, because this is the question people have had for 50 years about Go Ask Alice, is, well, is it real or not? Was there really an Alice or not? So without spoiling too much, I will say that, uh, you know, for the, for the first 10 years that that book existed, I would say there was a, probably a 90% consensus, certainly in the press, that Go Ask Alice was absolutely real and authentic. You go back and read news coverage unhesitatingly. You know, the media treated it as real. You know, by 2000 or 2005, I, you know that had changed to where it was i would say 50-50 or 60-40 the idea of people thinking that it was just anti-drug propaganda that it was just a hoax made up from scratch um without giving too much away i will say that there is an answer to that question okay and by the end of my book i do give the answer and i lay out in the broad strokes of what actually happened uh it's not what i expected the answer to be but but it does but it does make sense. It was not the answer that I expected to find, but it did come together in a way that, in retrospect, it absolutely made perfect sense that okay. that was I, the answer. I, I want to get same. back
0: to that, but for a second, kind of to to talk about that, I did appreciate this is in your uh, author notes. You say this is a this is a true story. Um, no dialogue is invented. If it's in quotes, somebody said it. Inner monologues and paraphrase statements are and ita- are italicized and come from diaries, written records, interviews, and other concrete research. Uh, journal entries, news blur, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I appreciate that right at the beginning because I always hate that, too, where it's like we're hearing the inside story and they're having like inner monologue. Right. And I'm like, well, what? like <laughs> <All> you were <laughs> you weren't there. And so I appreciate it knowing like, oh, what? This is like from, if it's this, if it says it's a quote, then it is a quote from. Yeah, here. if there's
2: if there's something, if if yeah, if words are between quotes, then that means that you know somebody did say it, and I've either got a firsthand source, or you know, I, or it came from like an interview with someone who was there when it was said. Right. Um. And the same thing for yeah, you know, news reports and whatever. Uh. And, you know, and and I. You know, everything else, you know, like you said, the inner monologues and all of that. None of that stuff is just made up. It's right. not like any of that just comes out of my head. All of that comes from there's concrete sourcing for all of that stuff, because that's the other frustrating thing is when you read a book that's like a true story or a true crime, true crime seems to be full of this. And it's just insanely detailed. And in the back of your head, you're like, how could he possibly know? Right. Yeah. Where it's, you know, it's like the room smelled of, you know, the room smelled of almonds. And you're like, well, how would he know the room? And, it, it, and sometimes there is an answer, but you just want to know how. Yeah. And so I, so I try to address a lot of that in the back of the book. Yeah.
0: So as you're, I mean, this is obviously, like I said, 15 years ago, I, I hear, hear, heard you talk about this book and mention it and stuff like that. So it's always been a factor in your life. What, what made it? what made you pursue looking into it or when did that turn into a book idea or like, how did that, how did that snowball into something? Not just kind of like, Oh, that's an interesting thing into a, Oh my gosh, there's a whole book out of this that I mean, nobody's done.
2: I guess the short answer is that I, is that I real I finally realized that nobody had written it. And so it's like, if I wanted to learn, I just assumed somebody had yeah. written this book already and it was like, so, mm. I, so I read Go Ask Alice in high school and had, you know thought about it off and on because i i've always been fascinated by kind of the behind the scenes aspect of a lot of things especially in media it's yeah. like well, who are these people laughing on laugh tracks and who are the people in the picture frames when you buy it and who plays muzak and elevator music and all of that and ghostwriting is sort of the same thing where you see all like the sweet valley high novels and you're like well francine pascal is not writing all these who are these people like whose job is that to write this book right. and then not get credit it's just a really interesting thing and so a lot of it obviously been churning around in my head, but I think it was just that living through both of these social panics and really having them make such a giant impact on me. And I was having a uh, breakfast with uh, my friend, Peter Ames Carlin, who's uh, himself a very, a very talented and prolific author. And, you know, we, we were talking about whatever. And I mean, this sounds almost too good to be true. This, I think I compare it to, it's like, there's this famous maddening story about how Paul McCartney just dreamed the song yesterday. yesterday. Like woke up and he's like, ah, just dreamed the most famous song in the history of you know, and it's like which, and he kept
0: going around to people to be like, yeah, does anyone does anyone know this tune? And everyone's like, no. And it's
2: just, I mean, it is sort of, it's sort of that's sort of maddening because it's just you know because it's not repeatable. <laughs> like you can't model your your own career on that. <laughs> um, But I was I was literally just driving home from breakfast to Peter and I was trying to figure out what to sort of work on next. And it, my brain had obviously been churning on it for a long time. I I think of it as sort of like a pop tart that's just been sort of like toasting away and then it goes ding and it just pops out. And I thought, "Ah, go ask Alice, you know, the real story of go ask Alice and which was followed almost immediately by the thought of I bet somebody else has done this. Yeah. So I went home and just walked right into my office, sat down at the, you know, the, the computer and went online and I spent a long time, I don't know how long, somewhere I've got like the original, like one of those old black and white composition notebooks that I was just like writing down everything I found. And what I found is that, A, nobody had written this book, this story had not been told, and everybody assumed somebody else had already done it. It's, you know, everybody else assumed that somebody else had told the story. As late as, well, I mean, when I was, so this, I started this book in 2015. So at that point, a four-page article from 1979 was still the most substantive thing written Jeez. about about Go Ask Alice and the story behind it. And and everything else online had just been like a regurgitation of that same story. And I just saw the same kind of few tidbits over and over again. And I thought, well, how can nobody have done this? Yeah. And for whatever reason, nobody had. Wow. And so it kind of seemed too good to be true. But um so it really was just motivated by me wanting to know the story myself. Sure. sure. Oh wow, that's fascinating.
0: Just reading through some of
3: the comments on the uh, original Ask, Go Ask Alice" book, <clears throat> um, there is a total mixed bag of people of like this book has kept me off drugs my whole life for twenty years. I you know, read this book and and it is my bible uh, to uh, people who are like I liked it ten years ago. I've really reflected on that and I, I've turned the corner and it's not it's not for me anymore to we were all lied to this is fiction people and words cannot describe how angry and betrayed i felt after realizing i wasted a credit on a book that is a complete lie you know and uh and and so definitely there's there's a wasted a credit on a book so i've got uh audible yeah at, at
2: one point in the book i actually uh i i share a couple of these and i think these are from 2016 and uh you know, so, for example, there's a, a, a an Amazon user named JMV who says, if you have children or work with children, please read Go Ask Alice and Jay's journal. They may save your life or the life of your child. Um, both journals are extremely honest and nakedly candid, uh, candid, poignant, and tragic. Neither were released for the sake of profit, but rather by two sets of parents, hoping they would prevent other children and teenagers from the same fate. And then right below that, I have another uh, Amazon user who just says, you know, this is stupid, melodramatic crap. <laughs> Go Ask Alice is severely overhyped and is written like a bad after-school special. Um, and so, and that's, you know, and that's in 2016. That's right. already 45 years after that book came out. And I mean, there's, first of all, there's not a lot of books from 1971 that are still in print and still selling because Go Ask Alice, you said, still, I mean, it still sells like a thousand copies a week. And, um, and 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 also the most amazing thing to me about the book Go Ask Alice People sometimes ask me, uh, they say, well, I've never read it. Should I read Go Ask Alice? And I would say, well, if you are reading Go Ask Alice for the first time as an adult, it will not resonate with you. I mean, you will I mean, you will think, well, th- with this guy, he, when he says it's stupid, melodramatic crap. I get what he's saying with that because it's like, th- here's the thing about Go Ask Alice, leaving aside the issue of whether it's real or not. The thing about Go Ask Alice is, go ask Alice what it is really really perfectly captures what it feels like to be a teenager because when you're a teenager you are kind of just insane for yeah, a couple of yeah, years yeah, i mean totally. because you know nothing is ever kind of okay it's either the best day of your life or it's the end of the world yeah and you know and when you are a teenager you simultaneously feel like you are going crazy and like you're the only sane person in the world like yeah, everybody right. around you is nuts and you're the only one who knows what's going on And it's, so when you're a teenager, you're just this, 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 like, you're like a shorted out lamp. You're just this live wire of emotions and mood swings. And just everything is like, you know, and, and you're just torn between all of these different impulses and urges in these two worlds. And you just feel, it's just this terrible, glorious roar of emotions all the time. And Go Ask Alice really captures that. Uh, Even now, I mean, if you read it now as an adult, your first reaction will be like, stop being so dramatic. Right. But of course, when you're a teenager, everything you don't, I mean, you never, you are one giant nerve ending. You never feel anything as intensely again as when you're a teenager. And so that is one reason why, because it's hard to think of a lot of things written for teenagers in 1971 that modern teenagers would go out of there, would choose to read and enjoy and not like laugh at or sneer at or just be like, whatever, dad, I'm not going to read this stupid book you want me to read, especially if it's telling me to stay off drugs. (laughs) The fact that teenagers today, um, I mean, I was sort of joking, I I mean, it was laughing about the TikTok thing, but that's real. Like you can go on, you know, on any platform you want and there are teenagers reading Go Ask who love it because it does speak to the teenage experience. It really does. And in a way that, is hard to recapture once you're an adult. Right. Um, and it's, uh, so it, it is definitely, it's people who haven't read it. Sometimes if you haven't read go ask Alice or haven't read it in a long time, I sort of compare it sometimes to um, the movie Saturday night fever, because if people <laughs> have never seen that movie or they haven't seen it for a long time, people think it's kitschy or campy. You know, because they picture John Travolta in the white suit and doing the pose, and they they sort of smirk and they go, oh, that, "If you watch that in Fever, that is not a kitschy, campy movie. Right. It's like the you're going to be depressed for a couple of days right. afterward. It's like the bleak. It's like a Scorsese film. I mean, it's like the darkest, yeah. bleakest thing probably that came out that year. It's really good. It's not what you think it's going to be. And Go Ask Alice is very much the same way. It's a it's it really is a powerful book in Jay's journal in the same way.
0: And hmm. you don't you don't have to be you you don't have to have read go ask Alice in order to. I should just this. have you do these interviews for me because right. you're coming up with
2: all kinds of, so right now I've got, I'm sure there'll be, anybody who knows me is like, see, Rick, this is how you should be doing the interview. You should not just be talking about John Travolta. No, this is, I'm glad you asked that. This yeah. is, it's a very good point. I, I go out of my way to make this, so you do not have to come to this book with any preexisting knowledge. Right. If you have never heard of Unmask Alice or Jay's journal or, Itra Sparks or anybody in this book, um, it's it works just as an absolute standalone story. And, um, and it is, I modeled it, um, I modeled the sort of layout and the style of the book a lot on this. Uh, there's a book by a guy named Nick Bilton called American Kingpin, which is a fascinating true crime book. Um, and he, that book was very, uh, it was very fast paced. And it got a lot of information, but it was really, you know, it just felt like you were on this just like rocket sled without brakes. Like and yeah. It was just, and so this book is very much written to be the same way, where it, yeah, it, it does not, you know, it it feels, you know, like it has a lot of momentum to it. Yes, so. and
0: like and I said before, it's like nice digestible chunks, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I looked down, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm quite a bit, quite a bit into this already. Um, this is kind of a side question. Did you have any input in the cover of the book? I did, actually. Oh, wow.
2: So one of the reasons that I uh, went with this publisher, this publisher is a company. They're called Bembella Books, and they're a fantastic publisher, and uh, they, they have been amazing through this entire process. One of the reasons that uh, I went with him as my uh, my agent, just when he's like, he's like oh, we've got this offer from Ben Bella books. And, and he's, he's like, and my agent told me, he's like, by the way, he's like, every writer or agent I know who's ever worked with them has just raved about the experience. Because I think it's sort of like, I mean, I've never really, I've never worked in Hollywood at all, but it's, you know, it's like that thing you always hear from writers about like, uh, you know, every producer's like, we're gonna respect your vision. And yeah. then they like change <laughs> your book into like some other script that you like, you just don't. And I think I think sometimes that is the case in publishing, where it's you know it's you know where it's like you you, know, you think you're gonna have input and then you kind of don't. Yeah. They sort of they kind of go, "That's great," and then they like do whatever they're gonna do anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Bella really like it. Really was a collaborative oh, process, and so obviously, I have like zero visual artistic ability. But no, they but like take it's my so sort of scary because
0: it. like it's such a personal thing too, like what the cover of a book looks like and what yeah. you always imagine it. And like, then you go to the bookstore and some of are so many are so stupid and lame. And yeah. I was like, and the book we wrote together, zombie economics had yep. an awesome cover, but you knew the artist guy that and we were able to bring him and use that, which also seemed kind of unheard
2: of. Well, because at the time, well, and that's and the funny thing about that is that, um, so that is, I think that's just a case. It is literally the thing of like, not knowing that I wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah. Because they're like, right. you know, I was like, hey, so we've got this cover, or this guy, Roger Bridges in Portland, they're like, well, we've got our own artist. I'm like, that's great. We've got this guy in Portland who will, <laughs> which in retro, apparently is like not a thing you're supposed to. Yeah. like I heard David Foster Wallace, the late David Foster Wallace of all people, like the most celebrated author of his generation and like the MacArthur right. genius grant guy. I heard him like in an old interview talking about it. he's like i couldn't even get cover approval for infinite jest like the most celebrated <laughs> novel of the last half of the 20th century and he's like i asked for whatever and he's like they just ignored me and put out this terrible cover and wow. i was like wow so so no i the yeah i always wondered about that so that i am really i have to say and so i just got um i got a, a like an advanced copy of the hardcover for unmascalis and okay. it's i mean it, it looks a lot like the the advanced paperback yeah, yeah. but it's um you know, it's, it's hardcover and it's got like a really nice sort of textured cover. But the art, uh, the the um, the artwork is really, really great. The layout inside and yeah. the font and they—it's like it's all meant to sort of feel a little bit. Uh, retro, yeah. like yeah. sort of a '70s All the Presidents Men thing, with like a typewriter font, yeah. and the the book cover sort of echoes the cover of Go yeah. Ask Alice a little bit in a legally defensible way. Um, <laughs> I've never actually looked at what Go were, like Go Ask Alice, but they were yeah, no, they were they were pretty great about uh, about all of it. Yeah, them.
0: well, that is awesome. So if people, is it coming out um, hardcover and paperback at the same time, or uh, is there a how's uh, that It's just work?
2: coming out in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. Uh, at the same time, and then the paperback will follow. Okay. So, uh, so pa- oh, you
0: get you get you get people in bras when you <laughs>
2: when you go, well, when you. I might not Google. Get go. in oh, that's bras.
0: true. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. Why do all of my searches? End? Uh, oh, okay, I'm looking at the at the <laughs> at the.
2: Covered. Um, Amazon thinks it, you're it's Ed Wood. The algorithm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Unmask Alice comes out in hardcover, audiobook form. Uh, the audiobook is narrated by a woman named Gaber Zachman, who's fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, she's really, really good. Uh, and then ebook form. Uh, that all comes out uh, Tuesday, July 5th. It was supposed to be June 7th, um, and then there was, you know, supply chain. Da 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 da. They're that.
0: saving up their money for gas. <laughs> Just at the truck.
2: <laughs> well, literally, I, there was this weird point where at one point. They had printed all of the, you know, the, the, what they call the case, which is the actual hard cover of the book, the front and back cover and the dust jackets, like thousands of things. They were just sitting in a warehouse because the actual paper for the book itself was on a barge somewhere. Wow. And I mean, so they pushed that back by a month, which, um, I'm trying to, you know, which I'm not complaining about because I know authors who've had their books pushed back like seven or eight months. So so it comes out Tuesday, July 5th, and you can, uh, and I would encourage you to pre-order it now at UnmaskAlice.com or RickEmerson.com.
0: Or the Canby Book Nook.
2: Or the Canby Book Nook. Also, (laughs) I should say, uh, so this book comes out, so Unmask Alice comes out on Tuesday, July 5th, on Wednesday, July 6th. Uh, I'm going to be doing, uh, it's going to be virtual because COVID, et cetera. Uh, I'm going to be, Powell's is going to be hosting a virtual event. It's going to be, uh, myself and, uh, the author, Chelsea Kane, um, uh, Portland author, uh, thriller writer, comic book creator, uh, all about, all around badass, uh, Chelsea Kane. So she and I are going to be doing a sort of in conversation with thing on Wednesday, um, uh, July 6th. And you can find out more about that at, uh, Powell's.com.
0: Perfect. Perfect. I do the other thing when we did um Zombie Economics and we had our book signing the other tidbit I, I always lead with is we had more people show up than Metalark Lemon of the of the Harlem Globetrotters. Is that true? That is I true. Think I forgot that. <laughs> yes. In your I face Metalark Lemon. I know. I believe that was the biggest book signing that that, that um is it a Walden Books or Beat Beedal- Beedal- uh, Dalton? it was it a
2: Beat yeah. Alden that was in the children's section of yep. the Beat Alden at Lloyd Center. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was almost exactly ten or um it's it must right. have been
2: well. It was eleven years ago. It was May yeah, okay, of I 2011. Got,
0: I got some little. This was your memories or whatever. And I saw
2: pictures of that. I, I will say, just as a side note, that the that zombie economics, that entire thing, from like idea to like written to like published or whatever, it was like two years or something. Which apparently fast. is unbelievable. Apparently, that's not a thing that ever happens. Because <laughs> then, when I get ready to write this book, it's like, how long could this possibly take? That yeah. Writing this books is easy. Who are these authors that take seven years to write a book? What yeah. are they doing? <laughs> and then of course like that was God like my instant karma was like this yeah. is for hubris and go. so it like took me literally seven years to I remember this.
0: listening to the commentary for the movie A League of Their Own and the lady that plays um, Marla the kind of the the um, the one that they portray as like the dumpy right. you know whatever she's on the commentary and she's like yeah this is my first movie and like it was Penny Marshall and Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna and Tom Hanks and like everyone loved each other and we all got along and she's like so this is what making movies is like and everyone was telling her, there's like no this isn't yeah, what I like and then after that she realized oh that's not what I truly like no no <laughs>
2: no I uh, yeah so that so yeah you're so you're commenting about the the book cover and the experience of writing this book it's been been like 7 years it's been long but it's been yeah. a fantastic experience so I, I uh yeah I am yeah. very
0: excited to to keep digging into this it's called Unmask Alice LSD Satanic Panic and the Imposter Behind the World's Most Notorious Diaries by Rick Emerson. So yeah, go pre-order pre-o- your pocket. Your- pre-o- wow. I almost made it to the end zone there. Nah. <laughs> pre-order your copy. Uh, make sure your libraries will get uh, copies in too. Um, get the audio book as well. You want to get the full set yes the collector set hardcover softcover and audio hundreds of copies <laughs> yes so but yes very excited congratulations thank that you. is awesome i'm very excited because i it's going to be it's like when we do portland at the movies when i walk into something blind knowing nothing about yeah. it and not knowing what's going to happen yeah. so um, i'm very excited yeah, for I'm that. i'm really so, looking forward to this this is very yeah cool. so thank you for joining us on our silly little show thank you um anything else you would like to tell the people before you People uh, before we leave, RickEmerson.com unmaskallis.com.
2: Uh That's kind of it. Um, uh, so I'm on. Well, uh, so so I've I've had a Twitter account for a long time that was just dormant oh, right. for like. Are a you decade. on TikTok now? I am not. Okay. Uh, my publisher's it, on TikTok on my behalf. I was going to say as long as a,
0: something is out there on a your thing behalf.
2: called Book Talk, Ooh, okay. which is uh, kind of a great pun that had yeah. never occurred to me or whatever. So uh, so I'm on. Uh, I guess it is a pun. Isn't I've it? now become one of those people where it's like find me i'm at rick emerson so uh i'm at rick emerson on twitter and then actually also i've started doing instagram i never it's like when it's like when british people are like i do shopping yeah it's like it always sounds wrong to me when i say i do in, but, i go
0: to hospital ex- yeah.
2: so i <laughs> i drop articles when i talk uh so i'm on uh i have to so someone i don't want to say who but somebody the other day so i just i started like i, I went into instagram for the very first time like like a month ago or something, because yeah. I'd never used it, not once, ever. And so I'm just kind of fumbling my, th- my way through it. And uh, I mean, I'm sort of happy with how it looks, although somebody the other day was like, talking to Greg and Joe, so they're like, Rick is really killing it at Instagram, <laughs> which I think just means the bar is set so low for me. Um, but uh, yes, but at Rick Emerson on Instagram and Twitter and then uh, RickEmerson.com is sort of a clearinghouse for all that stuff.
0: Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you again and before we leave, a high school principal was required to take care of a horse, student's horses due to an old law. On Monday, Principal Raymond Brucker of Conrad High School Principal Wow, you're right, this is written terribly was required to take care of 12 of his students' horses. Montana has an old law that states if students ride their horse to school, the school principal must take care of the horse throughout the day Mr debruker has his work cut out for him today the school's district posted on
2: Facebook so thanks for joining us all the way through that with like a horsing around pun. I do
0: <laughs> oh yeah I don't have any horse noises either I barely knew her there we go <laughs> perfect thank you we'll see you there bye
1: but the devil would award him 10,000 souls the investigative news group presents the Heraldo Rivera special Devil Worship, exposing Satan's underground. Whether a Satan exists is a matter of belief, but we are certain that Satanism exists. To some, it's a religion. To others, it's the practice of evil in the devil's name. It exists, and it's flourishing. Members of our studio audience tonight will attest to that. They are friends and foes of Satanism, devil worshippers and law enforcers, experts and victims. They'll help us understand this force that exalts evil and darkness. We'll be asking why. Why does it exist? And why does it appeal to so many vulnerable people, especially the young? Now, the very young and the impressionable should definitely not be watching this program tonight. This is not a Halloween fable. This is a real-life horror story, and it will give small children bad dreams. As for teenagers and their parents, we hope you are watching, because it's teenagers who are most likely to fall under the spell of this jumble of dark, violent emotions called Satanism, and in some cases, to be driven into committing terrible deeds.